The verse is, none of us live unto himself. We, in fact, have been brought here as a body part to minister to the other body parts so that we might be the body of Christ to the glory of God. So, yes, we are a keeper in that light. Has it ever dawned on you that you're responsible for other souls spiritually before God? For instance, if I allow any private deflection from God in my life, everyone about me suffers. When I allow some nonsense in my life, the entire body suffers because I'm a part. It's like smashing your finger in the door. What part of your body hurts? All of it, right? Have you ever seen anybody slap a finger in the door? They usually do a dance, don't they? They're jumping up and down, and it's like, the heck, it's just your finger, man. What are you doing? Jumping up and down, hooting, hollering, and screaming. It's reality. Everything in your whole body is reacting to a smashed little finger, right? It's just about as bad when you smash it with a hammer, just saying. And it's a little more dangerous because usually, you know, you're someplace where you really don't want to dance around because you're liable to, you know, from a long ways up. Right? Yeah. If I allow any private deflections from God in my life, everyone around me suffers. We sit together in heavenly places. Whether one member suffers, all members suffer with it. When once you allow physical selfishness, mental slovenliness, laziness, moral obtuseness where you're just an attitude, spiritual density where you're thinking that you're too sharp, everyone belonging to your crowd will suffer. But you say, who is sufficient for these things? If you erect a standard like that, our sufficiencies of God and of him alone. It really doesn't matter who's sufficient. He says, my grace is sufficient. That's all that matters. You shall be my witnesses. How many of us are willing to spend every ounce of nervous energy, of mental, moral, spiritual energy we have for Jesus Christ? How much of us are we going to dump everything we've got in just for Christ or Christ alone? Very few today. That's the problem. That's my life. It has to be 100%. All in. Can't be holding back any. Because the holding back obviously immediately grounds out everything else you've got positive going on in your life. That is the meaning of a witness in God's sense of the word. It takes time. So be patient with yourself. God has left us on the earth. What for? To be saved and sanctified? Nope. To be at it for him. To be his and to let everyone know that we are his as they come into relationship or contact with us. Am I willing to be broken bread and poured out wine for him? To be spoilt for this age. To be spoiled for this life. To be spoilt from every standpoint but one. Saving as I can disciple men and women to the Lord Jesus Christ, that I can help bring discipline, God's discipline to other people's lives by the way I live my life in and around them. My life as a worker is the way I can say thank you to God for his unspeakable salvation. Remember, it is quite possible for any one of us to fling out as a reprobate silver. We just fling it out. If we all of a sudden mess it up, we can be gone in a matter of seconds. Lest that by any means I would have been preached to others and myself would ultimately be cast away. Not the path we want to be on, is it? Tonight, buckle up. That's all I can tell you. Okay? 
We're going to start in the book of John. Took a book of John starting in chapter 10, starting in verse 6. This parable spoke Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things what she was talking about. The parable above about is, is about the good shepherd and about how a robber is going to climb into a, the place where the, the real shepherd is supposed to be. So Jesus breaks it down and he says to them again, Truly, truly, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go on in and out and find pasture. The thief comes not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, they might have that life more abundantly. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But he that is a hireling and not the shepherd whose own sheep are not sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf catches them and scatters the sheep. The hireling flees because he is a hireling. It means he's being a bought and paid for person. In other words, he's staying for the wrong reasons, right? And he cares not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep, and I am known of my sheep. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore does my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man takes it from me, but I lay it down myself. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it again. This commandment I have received of my Father. This word I know that he, we can lay down our life, and we can pick it back up again, because God said so. So you laying down your life for your brothers and sisters is a way that you can pick it back up and go on with life because he's saying, you're doing this for my glory, I got you. No man takes it from me, but I lay it down myself. So there was a division, again, therefore, among the Jews for these sayings. And many of them said, he has a devil, he is mad. Why do we even hear him? And others said, these are not words of him that has a devil. Can a devil open the eyes of the blind? So they began to argue back and forth like, wow, this guy is really sharp. And so we need to, you know, for, for, for me that's either supposed to be a teacher, I want to put him down because I want to still keep my crowd. So I got to somehow belittle him. It didn't really work really well for him, but they gave it the, a good old college try, right? So chapter 13, verse 31. So therefore, when he was gone out, Jesus said, now... By the way, when gone out, this is after he sent Judas away. Okay? Go ahead and do what you got to do quickly. And went out. Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God be glorified in him, God shall also glorify him in himself, and shall straightway glorify him. Little children, yet a little while, and I am with you. You shall seek me, and as I said unto the Jews, whether I go, you cannot come, so now I say unto you, a new commandment I give unto you. That you are to love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another. By this you shall all men will know that you are my disciples and that you love one to another. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, where do you go? Jesus answered, whether I go, you cannot follow. But you shall follow me afterwards. And Peter said, Lord, 
Why cannot I follow thee now? I will lay my life down for your sake. Everyone's so bold, right? No, I'm ready. Jesus answered and said, We will lay down your life for my sake. Truly, I say unto you, the cock shall not even crow till you have denied me three times. So we are so easy to talk, right? But where's that actual active following, right? So Peter, active follower. He ends up laying down his life, but not until many, many years later. But the point about it is, he was, they're so willing to say anything at the given time. Christ did what he said he was going to do. We want to say what we want to do, and yet we don't seem to be able to find that ability within ourselves. So we got to come back to a place to say, if I have his nature, then I can. So am I my brother's keeper? Yes, if I'm going to be like my father or like my brother Christ. Then I can, in fact, be my brother's keeper. But if I cannot be who he was and what he stood for, I can't be anybody's keeper. Because I'm so busy talking about me, 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 me. And God's trying to get us to start talking about him to all those so they might have us as a witness to come to know him himself. Turn with me to chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch... In me that bears not fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he purges it. That may bring, fruit, bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. So abide in me, and I in you, and as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can you, except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me, and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch. It is withered. Men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Here is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. So continue in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His. These things have I spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that a man actually lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, but the servant knows not what the Lord does. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard. Called you friends for all the things I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you. That you should go forth and bring forth fruit. And that your fruit should remain. And that whosoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he will give it unto you. These things I command you. And that is that you would love one another. Turn with me to... Romans chapter 1, verse 8. First, I thank God through Jesus Christ for you all. Because your faith is spoken of throughout the world, the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request if by any means, at any length, I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. For I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end that you might be more established. 
That is, that I may be comforted together with you by mutual faith of both you and me. Now, I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come to you, but I was led somewhere else. But I might have some fruit among you, also even as I do under the Gentiles or those of the world. I'm a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to all of you that are here, right? Romans 2, verse 1. Therefore, you are inexcusable, O man, whosoever you are that judges. For when you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you that judge, don't you do the same things? But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to the truth against them which commit such things. And think you this, O man, that judge them which do such things and does the same, that you're going to escape the judgment of God? Or to despise you the riches of goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads ultimately to repentance. But after the hardness and the impenitent heart, treasures up to itself wrath against the day of wrath and, re- and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds, to whom by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor, immortality and eternal life. But to them that are contentious and they don't obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation and wrath upon them. Tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that does evil for the Jew first and then the Gentile. But glory, honor and peace to every man that works good to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. For there is no respect of persons with God. For as many as have sinned without the law also will perish without the law. And as many have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law by nature, do the things contained in the law, these, having not the law, are a law unto themselves, which show you the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience bearing witness, their thoughts Meanwhile, accusing or excusing one another in the day when God shall judge the secrets of man by Jesus Christ according to the gospel. Now, we're setting a standard here of what it looks like to be your brother's keeper. First of all, there's got to be no nonsense in y'all's life, right? You've got to be right with him. You've got to be his sheep. You've got to realize you're a branch on his vine. We've got to, first before we can ever go and actually be able to be a witness and a testimony to someone else, we've got to know where we stand and who we are and make that a solid fact within ourselves. Then we can go out and be our brother's keeper. Trust me, when you finally get to that place in Christ, you're not going to be concerned about being your brother's keeper. That's not going to be something you're going to want to do. You're going to look in the mirror and see you got enough problems looking at yourself going, i got a big enough problem right here. But here's the challenge. Being your brother's keeper is not ruling over them. Being your brother's keeper is living with them and understanding that my life is this way so I can be a living, breathing example to what it is. I don't rule over you. I tell you how this is lived. I tell you when you're not living it right, how you're not living within the realm of what we're living here. But there's no, you know, throne room here. There's no scepter here. There's no nothing here other than all of us working together and saying this is this is a house given to us by God. 
and this house given to us by God, we're going to follow his, his lifestyle, his disciplines here, so that we can, in fact, be disciples of Christ and be what that is. And that's an option. If you can't have a conversation with me and tell me how that is your option, then we have a different problem. Because then it's not about a brother's keeper, is it? It's about a brother or a sister walking to the Lord that are not walking to the Lord. God says very simply, don't have anything to do with them. So we put ourselves in a precarious position. Chapter 8, verse 12. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if we live to the flesh, you shall die, but through the Spirit, you do mortify the deeds of the body, you'll live. Gosh, that sounds real familiar to what I was saying tonight, right? For as many are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For they have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but received the spirit of adoption whereby they cry, Abba, Father, or Daddy. The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. It lets us know, yeah, I'm going to tell you what, because if you're going to want to be the child of God, you need to listen to what I'm going to tell you, and then you need to be obedient to what I said. Doesn't mean the Spirit of God is going to talk to you and you're going to listen. It means the Spirit of God is going to talk to you, and you either listen or you don't. But if you want to be a child of God, you need to listen, and then take heed, obey and if the children then heirs, then heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, we may also be glorified together with him. Chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you would present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is, by the way, your reasonable service. That's what you ought to do. And be not conformed to this world. Be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given to me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dwelt to every man a measure of faith. For as you have many members in one body and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ. And every one here, members of one another. Chapter 14, verse 7. We need to remember that none of us live unto himself, and no man dies unto himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. Whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. Why do you judge your brother then? Why do you set at nothing thy brother? For we also stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess unto me. Turn with me to... 2 Corinthians 12. I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 12. Interesting. Daniel liked this because last night and tonight we get to teach this. 
12.1. Now concerning spiritual gifts. Brethren, I would have you not be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away to these dumb idols even as you were led. Therefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking of the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now there are diversities of gifts, but all have the same Spirit. One mind, one accord, well, one Spirit. There are differences of administrations, same Lord. Diversities of operations, but it is the name of the same God which works all in all. Manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all for all of us. For one is given the Spirit, a word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by that same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing. To another the works of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of these tongues. But all of these work that one and the self same spirit dividing to every man severally as he will. For as a body is one and has many members, all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. We all have a difference, but we're all the same. We're just same on a different level that we're all different. We have a specific duty to do in the overall body of Christ. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, we've all been made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. So the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is therefore not the body. If the ear can say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body, is therefore it not of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now has God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it has pleased him. And if they were all one member, where would this thing be called a body? But now there are many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee, nor the head to the feet. I have no need of you. No, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. Those members of the body which we think to be less honorable Upon these we bestow abundant honor, and upon uncomely parts we have more abundant comeliness. You know, we, we all walk around, look in the mirror, we put on our makeup, these ladies do it, and we guys, we comb our hair, and we shave our beards up. We, we put all this work into it, we work out, we do all these things to get this outside presentation looking like something. What good would the outside presentation do if, if that liver and the, and the lungs and the kidneys and all that stuff on the inside wasn't doing what it's supposed to be doing? And I don't know, have you ever seen one of those things? Them's ugly, okay? But less comely means less, less attractive. So we work on the outside to be attractive all the while. The stuff that makes it worthwhile is all the stuff on the inside. If we paid attention to the stuff on the inside, I guess we wouldn't be worried about whether we were pretty or not, right? Because we're pretty ugly on the inside. So I guess we're pretty, just pretty ugly. <laughs> so there you go. All those members of the body, we'd be less honorable. We bestow more abundant honor to uncomely parts. We have more ab abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have known no need, but God has tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to them, each part that's lacked. There should be no schism in this body. I mean, none of this problems, uh, uncoordination or fighting against each other in the body. There should be no schism 
but that the members should have the same care for one another. Taking care of our brothers, right? And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. As one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and you are members in particular. And God has set some of the church, first apostles, second prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversity of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret? No. But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. I want to tell you, you'll be just exactly who you're supposed to be, and be really good at what you're supposed to be, and you'll be glad you got to be part of the body. It won't be mad about which part you were. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians 6, verse 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such one in the spirit of meekness. Consider yourself lest you somehow be tempted. So yes, take oversight for your brother. You are your brother's keeper. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think of himself to be something when he's nothing, he's only deceiving himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that taught in the word communicate unto him that teaches in all good things. So be not deceived. God isn't mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that shall you reap. For he that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that sows to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap everlasting life. So let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. So this part of taking care of our brothers and sisters, being responsible, don't grow weary in doing so. As we have therefore opportunity, let's do good to all men, especially to them of the household of faith. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And you, as he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom also you all had our conduct in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Y'all know who you were. You know why, right? Among them also we've had our conversation, doing all these same things. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together, one another together with Christ. By grace we've been saved. And has raised us up together. And made us all sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of this grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. Amen. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And that's not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, unto good works which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Chapter 2, verse 14. For he is our peace, who had made both one and had broken down the middle wall of partition between us, 
He took care of that problem of the contrast, the contention. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances for us to make himself of two, one new man, to making ultimate peace. That he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity or that which was at odds with God and with each other thereby, and came and preached peace to you, which were afar off unto them that were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now, therefore, we are no more strangers, foreigners. We are fellow citizens with the saints, the household of God. We're built up on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom we're all builded together in that habitation of God through the Spirit. Ephesians 4, verse 11. And he gave some of us the gift of apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. He gave this to us for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, to take oversight for <coughs> others that are coming in. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That from now on we be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and the cunning craftiness whereby the, we lie in wait to deceive, but speaking the truth and love may grow up into him on all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies, according to the effective working in the measure of every part, makes increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love, that we grow and we grow and we grow in Christ Jesus. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. For yourselves, brother, know about our entrance into you, that it was not in vain, not selfishly, with no motivation selfish, but even after we had suffered for before, we were shamefully entreated, as you know, at Philippi. We were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. Our exhortation was not of deceit or of uncleanness nor of guile, but as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God, which tries our hearts. For neither at any time used we flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is our witness. Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, yet, nor yet even of others, when we might have been burdensome, as the apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherishes her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you that we were willing to have imparted unto you, not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because you were dear unto us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and travail for laboring night and day, so that we would not be chargeable to any one of you. We preached unto you the gospel of God. You are our witnesses of God also how holily and justly and unblameably we, we behaved ourselves among you that believe. As you know, 
how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children. That you would walk worthy of God who also has called you into this glory and his kingdom. Chapter 5, verse 1. So to the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, sudden destruction is coming upon them. Whoops. As to veil upon a woman with child, they shall not escape. But you, brethren, not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are all the children of the light, children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others. Let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, they sleep in the night. They that are drunken are drunk in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together. Edify one another, even as also you do. And we beg you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and over you the Lord and admonish you and esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. We exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. Come, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient towards all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. You therefore, my son, I need you to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The things that you have heard of me and of many witnesses, the same commit you to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. You therefore, I need you to endure hardness as a good soldier of Christ. No man that wars entangles himself again with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who has chosen him to be that soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries or to be the best, he is not crowned except he strive lawfully. So we've got to do it righteously. The husband that labors must first be a partaker of the fruit, so you better be practicing what you preach before you start spitting it out your mouth. Consider what I say, and the Lord will give you understanding in all things. You listen and you start preaching Jesus. He'll tell you what to say. And what you're going to say is going to, frankly, teach you too. Are you not taught as you teach, it says. And we begin to help others. Remember what Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead, according to my gospel, wherein I suffered trouble as an evildoer, even in bonds. But the word of God is not bound. So therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake. For who? The elect. Our brothers and sisters in Christ. The elect's sake that they may also obtain that salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, the boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and a living way, which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, through his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with true hearts 
in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Let us consider one another and to provoke love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much more as you see that day approaching. So let's take care of our brothers and sisters. First Peter 5. Verse 1. The elders which were among you. Might be a couple of you in here that have been here a while. Kind of know your way around a little bit. Who am also, I also have an elder. And a witness of the sufferings of Christ. And also a partner, a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you. Taking oversight thereof. Taking responsibility as your brother's keeper. Therefore let not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre's sake or money, but for a ready mind. Neither being lords over God's heritage, but be an example to this flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fades not away. Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves to the elder. Yes, all of you be subject to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that you may be exalted in due time, casting all of your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may desire. Whom resists steadfast in the face, resist that devil, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Devil's after everybody, right? But the God of grace, the divine influence, who has called us to eternal glory by Christ, Jesus, after you have suffered for a minute, for a little while, he will make you perfect, he'll establish you, strengthen, and settle you. To him will be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. 1 John 1. Verse 1. That which was from the beginning which you have heard, which you have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled, which is the word of life. For the life was manifest, manifested and we have seen it. And we bear witness and show you that eternal life which was with the Father was manifested in us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare it now unto you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son Jesus. And these things we write unto you that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him and we declared unto you. That God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we're liars and don't know the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with him and one another by the blood of Christ. Because it cleanses us from all of our sins. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And once again, the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is always faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word, once again, is not in us. Chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, 
These things I write unto you, that you sin not. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation, the replacement for our sins. And not ours only, but also for the sins of the entire world. And hereby we know, we know him, if we keep his commandments. And he says, I know him and keeps not his commandments. Once again, he's a liar and the truth isn't in him. But whoso keeps his word in him, truly the love of God's perfected. Hereby we know that we are in him. He that says he abides in him ought himself also walk even as he walked. So brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. A new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shines. He that says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness even until now. He that loves his brother abides in that light and there is no occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and knows not whether he goes, whether that darkness has blinded his eyes. We have to be careful. Chapter 3, verse 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. That we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knows us not because it knew him not. One of the challenges about being here and, 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 and taking on the burden of your brother and, and being his keeper. Is you realize not only are you, but you're asking him to step out and come out and be separate too. It means you're not going to be well known. It's not about you having this lifestyle that's going to be big and flashy and golden parachutes to get you out of messes. You're going to be unknown just like he was unknown. And yet he is the most well-known today there is because of who he was and how steadfast he was. I'd rather be part of who he is now through history's example than to talk about who I am and my history's example, right? Beloved, now we are the sons of God and it does not yet appear what we shall be. We know this. That when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that has this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. Whosoever commits sin, though, transgresses also the law, for sin is the transgression of law. And you know that he was manifested to take away these sins, and in him there is no sin at all. Whosoever abides in him sins not. Whosoever sins has not seen him, neither has even known him. So little children, let no man deceive you. He that does righteousness is righteous. He that commits sin is of the devil. For the devil sins from the beginning. And for this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Amen. Whosoever is born of God then does not commit sin. For a seed remains in him and cannot sin because he is born of God. In this the children of God are made obvious, manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever does not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loves not his brother. So we have to pay attention to who we are and what we are, right? Yep. Last but not least, chapter 5, verse 13. These things I've written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life, that you may believe in the name of the Son of God. So that we can actually hold that position of keeping our brother's keeper, right? But first of all, I want to make sure you know that you know so you are holding them and keeping them by the same things you've been taught and you found out. 
And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've desired of him. If any man sees his brother, though, sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask, and he shall give him the life for him that sins not unto death. There is a sin unto death, though. And I'm not going to say that we can pray for that one. We know that whosoever is born of God, though, sins not. But he that is begotten of God keeps himself. And that wicked one can't touch him. We know that we are of God and the whole world lies in wickedness. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him that is true. And we are in him that is true, even the Son, Jesus Christ. And this is the true God and this is our eternal life. Little children now, keep yourselves from idols. And amen and amen, let that be so. There's your message, kiddos. And I honestly believe we are to take and be our brother's keeper. The challenge is, for example, I have two young ladies trying to be somebody's keeper here this weekend. Got 